Uh, well, I'm going to read our scripture for today, and Pastor Steve's going to be sharing uh, with us in our final message of our series, A Certain Future. We've been going through uh, uh, different passages from different prophets. Uh, and so today we're going to read from the book of Habakkuk. If you have a Bible with you, I invite you to uh, open that up to the book of Habakkuk. And um, we're going to look at a, few, a couple different scriptures in Habakkuk. And um, I just like saying that, Habakkuk. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, it's sitting there right in front of you, uh, and you could take that home with you. If you don't have one at home, uh, we don't mind at all if you take it with you. We want each person to have access to God's Word. All right, well, the first one I'm going to read is Habakkuk 2, verses 2 through 4, and this is God speaking. Then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and will not delay. See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright, but the righteous person will live by his faith. And again, in Habakkuk chapter 3, if you would turn a page, chapter 3, verses 17 to 19, this is Habakkuk's response. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the field, fields produce no food, there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls, yet... I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. Thank you, Pastor Eric. What he forgot to add there was that he wanted to welcome to the stage his wonderful, handsome, and intelligent boss. Give me equal billing with his wife there. <laughs> oh, welcome. We're glad to have you here this, uh, this morning. And if you've been looking at your program and you see we have a 6 o'clock business meeting and you say to yourself, there's nothing worse to me than sitting at a business meeting at 6 o'clock on Sunday night, I tell you, it's going to be a fun time. We're gonna, it's going to be a time of worship, a time of, of, of rejoicing, of sharing about the past and the future, a time where we're going to spend some time in praises and testimonies and in uh, prayer, because we need to pray, and then we're going to fit a little business in. So I encourage you to be here, and it's going to be a great time tonight at 6 o'clock. Uh, today, we are finishing up our series on a certain future, and we started this, Pastor Eric started this on uh, New Year's Eve Sunday by stating a certain future started with a God had a certain plan for our lives, and out of Jeremiah chapter 29, we believe that God does have a plan. It's a plan not just for us, but for, for you and me, but it might be a plan that we don't necessarily see or, or understand. Follow that up with by saying this plan begins in Ezekiel chapter 36 by taking this messed up, cruddy, um, disgusting, hardened heart that we have. And by 
doing a heart transplant and giving us a heart that is a heart that, that is, is, a, is a heart given to us by God, a, a heart of flesh, a new heart, a heart with his passions, a heart that has a bent towards him, a heart of mercy and love and compassion. And that's the heart that God has a plan for us. And then last week, finally, Pastor Eric again talked about this, the, the, the guide that we have, a certain guide in God, and that he speaks to us. He, he, he speaks and guides and directs us through his voice. And we, we listen to that voice. Sometimes that voice is loud, but many times it's a, it's a quiet voice. It's a whisper. And we need to tune out sometimes the, the uh, noise around us so that we can hear that voice. And in fact, he was in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21. And that verse says this, whether you turn to the left or to the right, or the left, right, or the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you. And we talked about that voice, that, that voice from behind that guides and leads and directs. But that verse goes on and tells us what this voice says. And it says this, saying it is time, or it, saying this is the way, walk in it. This is the way, walk in it. It's saying it's time to move. You know, we can, we can search for God's plan or at least be open to God's plan. We can, we can say, God, fill me, change my heart, give me a new spirit, renew a right spirit in me and guide me and direct me in your ways. And, and we can even say, tell me and whisper in my ear so I know which way to go. But until we actually take the steps, we're, we're really just kind of bumps on a log to some degree. It's, it, in our Christian walk, we need to be moving and, and growing and serving and, and, and doing. In fact, it's going to happen one way or another because the new year, 2018 in the future, is coming at us whether we like it or not. In fact, it's coming at us at breakneck speed. Uh, we are already three weeks into 2018. I can't believe it. It seems to me, I just remember the calendar turning from 1999 to 2000 for the millennial. You know, it seems like it was yesterday. And all of a sudden, the future just comes at us and we can kind of take a line down or we can get up and do what God says. Get up, listen to me, and then walk in it. Advance. Make some steps into the future. And so, and so that's what we want to do. We want to take steps. And I believe if you read through the Bible, if you study it all through Scripture, I, I see that we can walk confidently. We can walk boldly. And we can walk joyfully in the future. Because we know, and that's our message this morning, is that we have a certain victory. There is a victory in the end that helps us go through the situations that we're in to walk confidently and boldly and victoriously into the future that God has for us. And there are some folks that would say that starts today. In fact, if you go turn on the radio or watch TV, you can probably hear some people saying, hey, you become a Christian and everything becomes good. You, you get health, you get wealth, and you get prosperity, and it all comes, and you can have it. And as I read the scriptures, I don't see that. At least not now. At least not now. We look at the scriptures and we say, we have a certain victory but that victory may come much later. In fact, 
That brings us to our book that we're reading today out of Habakkuk. If you don't know where Habakkuk, if you couldn't find it, you know, just always go to the middle of the Bible. You're between the Old Testament and New Testament. Hang a left for five chapters, five books. Hang a left, five books back, you find Habakkuk. Habakkuk was written about 2,500 years ago. Talk about ancient literature. 2,500 years ago. And yet it speaks to us today like it was written yesterday. I encourage you to take this book and read it. Habakkuk is a, is a crazy, unique book. In fact, it's unique because we know prophets, and we've been telling you for how many weeks that prophets are men who speak for God to the people, right? The prophet speaks for God to the people. Well, it's just reversed in the book of Habakkuk. It's Habakkuk speaking to God for the people. Habakkuk says, Lord, I... I have some things to say, and it's on behalf of the people of Judah. And we find out as we pick up the book and start reading it, um, Habakkuk's not a happy camper. He's not pleased with God. In fact, as we look in chapter 1 of Habakkuk, we find what is maybe in your Bible says Habakkuk's first complaint. Habakkuk's complaint to God. And it reads like this in verse 2. It says this. How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. Habakkuk is crying out, help us, Lord. Help us. In fact, he says, I cry out violence. Look at what's going on. And there is no one there, especially you, God, to save us. There is no savior. There is no deliverer. He says there's injustices. There's wrongdoings. There's destruction, strife, violence. Conflict, the law is paralyzed, just injustice everywhere. Judah at this point was in, 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 its, in, its, um, in, its, in its nationhood was morally and spiritually corrupt, maybe bankrupt. What was going on in these nations would, would, would like it did Habakkuk and others, kind of turn our skin as we'd see them worshiping idols and, and all of the evil practices that came from that. And, and he's up there shaking his fist at God and saying, God, we're crying out and you're doing nothing about it. There's no savior. There's no deliverer. And as we look at this, we see that what, what Habakkuk was really saying is what many times we say. He said, God, why are you not answering my prayers? This was the real complaint of, 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 of Habakkuk and the people. Why aren't you answering our prayers? God, can't you see what's going on? Don't you know how evil this is? And you're doing nothing about it. Your Bible might say, this is his first complaint. Why, aren't, why are you silent? Where are you, God, in this? Probably a lot of us, maybe most of us, have either voiced this prayer, or at least we've thought it, and maybe... I'm not brave enough to pray it to God. Saying, God, why aren't you answering my prayer? Why aren't, why, why, why do I see nothing happening? 
A book written 2,500 years ago speaks to us today. You read verses 5 through 11, you see God's response. Basically, God's response is, uh, oh, I'm going to do something. And it's big. It is so big, you wouldn't even believe it if you were to hear it. It's one of those you got to see it to believe it answers. He says, I'll answer your prayer, but I'm answering your prayer by raising up a new people, the Babylonians. I'm raising up Babylon. Assyria is on its downward uh, fall. I'm going to raise up Babylon. These are evil, destructive people. They are powerful. They are fast. They are devastating. In fact, God tells them they are basically going to come and they're going to conquer the whole earth. He says, they're going to come in and conquer the whole earth. They're going to wipe out your cities. They're going to wipe out the temple. And so they're going to wipe out the evil. He said, that's my answer to your prayer. And he describes this wicked, fierce enemy. So Habakkuk comes up with his second complaint. (laughs) And it was what we might have said too is, Lord, I really don't like your answer. (laughs) He says, I I really don't like what I just heard. Um, Isn't there another way we can do this? Can we vote? (laughs) You know, can we do something? And he starts to reason like like we would reason. He said, God, these people are more evil than we are. Much more evil, much more destructive. They never even claim to serve you as God. They have their own gods. How, How does it make sense you would take them to conquer us to get your point across? Does that make any sense at all, God? I don't like your answer. I don't like it. Wow. Have we ever thought that before? Have we ever prayed and see how God was working and said, wow, I'm not not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I like your answer, God. Can't we do it this way? Can't we do it this way? Can't I have that? And God works anyway. You know, it's kind of like, I was thinking this past week, it's kind of like if, if, we were agree, if we were to agree to pray for the United States of America, and we'd say, Lord, we would agree to pray, Lord, we see violence in the streets, and it breaks our hearts. We see young men and, and children gunned down and before they ever should, should pass away. Lord, that breaks our hearts. Lord, we see, we, see, um, we see violence. We see human trafficking in our midst in this country, Lord, and it's breaking our heart. And we start naming all the evils that we see in our society. And we say, God, aren't you going to do something? When are you going to do something? And God might reply by saying, I'm, I'm working on it. In fact, I got these groups. Have you ever heard of like ISIS and Taliban? We're going to get together. I'm going to raise them up, and they're going to conquer the earth. They're going to wipe out Washington, D.C., and all the evils there, and they're going to wipe out your nations. They're going to come in and clean up your churches and get rid of hypocrisy. How many of us would say, God, (laughs) let's vote on that? (laughs) God, do you really think ISIS? Or you think these these evil characters are the people to bring justice upon us? Come on, that, that doesn't seem right. And that's what God is saying. That's exactly what he's doing here. He's taking the most evil people they know. He says, they're going to come in and they're going to destroy. And he, and, and, and I think, I think Habakkuk's answer is our answer. God, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't want to do it. And we throw a 
pity party or a tantrum. In fact, at the end of this complaint, and after God answered, or at the end of his complaint, in the second answer to God, or excuse me, at the end of this complaint, he said that I sat down on chapter 2, verse 1. He says, I went up to the watchtower, got to my perch, and I sat down, and I said, now let's hear what God has to say about this. <laughs> you know, it's just the way we are. We just sit back and say, God, I, I'm not happy. And so I'm going to sit back, and I'm going to listen, and, and I'm going I'm to protest. I'm going to do whatever I need to do. And so we see God, and he's responded. And so he looks and says, okay, I'll tell you what. I'm going to show you a little more. And he starts with the passage that Pastor Eric read with us today. He says, grab the tablet, get ready to write. Because what I, what I write here, I want, it, I want the runner to be able to take it so everybody can see it. He says, what I'm going to tell you is sure. It is certain. It's going to happen. But it's going to be slow. It's going to be a wow. In fact, he says this out of the NLV. He says the vision is for a future time. It's the end. It describes the end. It will be fulfilled. It will seem slow in coming. Wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. And so, and so we have this, this passage of God saying, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it. But I'm, what I'm going to do and what I'm going to show you is going to take some time. And he shows him this vision. This vision of what God is going to do. He pronounces woes on Babylon. And he says, there's going to be an end. And you're going to be restored. And I'm going to be sitting up and people will worship me. And he says, it's all going to happen. But it's going to happen slow. you got to be patient. And in fact, Habakkuk, he didn't even live likely to see the fulfillment of this prophecy. At least this original first fulfillment of the prophecy. He would have passed away long before Babylon was judged. He would, have, he would have been, him and the people that were with him would have just heard the word, be patient, nothing, and nothing's going to happen, but one day, count on it, it's certain, my word is good, it's going to happen. And after he says that, or as he's getting ready to say that actually, he says this in Habakkuk 2.4, See, the enemy is puffed up. He desire, his desires are not upright. But the righteous person will live by his faith. He's saying you're going to have to be patient. You're going to have to wait. It might not even come in your lifetime. You're not going to like my answers. You're not going to like what I do. But there's a reason I'm doing it, and there's a purpose behind it. And he says, in the meantime, can you live by faith? This passage is quoted at least three times in the New Testament. It's a passage that we cling to and say, yes, as believers, we walk, walk our daily walk in our faith, by our faith. I can guarantee it. It will happen, says God. It is certain. You have a certain victory. Count on it. Just not now. Just not now. It tests our faith, doesn't it? It tests our faith to walk through tough times, difficult times. Times where we see evil and we don't see God working, but knowing that he has promised that he will. 
and that victory awaits. It brings doubts into our lives. And we live with those doubts. And I kind of like what author and pastor Frederick Beichner says. He has this quote. He says, if you don't have any doubts, you are either kidding yourself or asleep. Doubts are the ants in the pants of faith. (laughs) Doubts are ants in the pants of faith. They keep it awake and moving. The doubts we have keep us on our toes. They keep us moving forward. We, the doubts that come in, they, they, give, they, they allow us to exercise our faith. They allow us to trust him in spite of those doubts. They're the ants in the pants that give us life, that move us along. We walk by faith. We walk by faith. And so Habakkuk hears all this. He hears what's going to happen. He hears that... Babylon is going to come and take him over. But then he hears from God and says, but I'm going to judge Babylon. And my word is true. Count on it. Write it down. Bank on it. Guaranteed. We used to have a, we used to have a saying, made in the shade. I don't know what that means, but I used to say it all the time. It's made in the shade. <laughs> it's going to happen. And so Habakkuk responds with one of the most beautiful prayers in the Bible. And it's not only a prayer of a prayer and a psalm, but it's also a vision that he has of God. And in the midst of that vision, in the midst of that prayer, he prays these second group of words that Pastor Eric read to us earlier. Chapter 3, verses 17 through 18 says this. Though the fig tree does not bud, though there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. You see, in these three chapters, in these three chapters, there was a, a, a shift, a shift in Habakkuk's whole view of God. There was a shift in his understanding of how God works in the world. He, he, he started this book by telling God how to run the world. And he ends the book by saying, Lord, I trust you fully. I trust you fully. You know what's best, and you will do what's best. You guaranteed it. It's a certain victory. It will be done. And so, even though there are no buds <laughs> on my, on the tree, fig tree, and no grapes. You know, if there's no buds, you don't eat buds, right? Buds are, are a sign of what's to come. And if you have no buds on your trees, you're saying, this is going to be a tough harvest. <laughs> the future does not look good. And, and Habakkuk's future did not look real good. He knew that he was going to be in for a long haul, a long wait, difficult times. But he says, even though there's no buds, then he says this, even though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food. And the, the picture here is that I did or he did or they did everything necessary to produce a crop and to produce the olives. They, they, they trimmed, they pruned, they planted, they, 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 they plowed, they, 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 they watered, they fertilized. They did it all. They did what they were supposed to do. They did what the book tells them to do. They followed what they thought was right. 
but no crop. Does that seem fair? Sometimes we think we've done everything right. We've done everything we should do, and yet, no crop. You know, 50%, over 50% of all new business startups fail in the first five years, and it keeps going up from there. And I had seen those statistics, and I've never seen a statistic that says, but 90% of Christian startups <laughs> last. It's, it, it just doesn't seem to work that way. Oh, sometimes I think God steps in and he helps us be better business people, but it just seems like that when, 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 when we go into business, the, the economy or our, or our financing or, or maybe the, the product or something, the, the management just isn't good enough, and, and it just it happens. But you, you do what you think is right, but it fails. You do the right things. You, you eat healthy. You exercise. My college roommate was in his early 40s. He was a healthy young man. He, was, he worked at a Christian college. He, he was a, him and his wife were leaders in their church. He'd run a marathon not too many months before. One day he said, I'm going to get on the, the treadmill. And he went downstairs, got on his treadmill, and within five minutes, dropped dead. Just like that. Heart that had been damaged as a child they didn't know about. Had done everything right. I remember early, early young adult, you know, before you have children and you can have fun. <laughs> we, we, uh, we would get together with young, other young adults from our church. We were in our early 20s. And we would just have great times. We'd go to each other's homes, and we'd have Sunday night church back then, and we'd get together after Sunday night church at the Pizza Hut every week, and, and we'd go to homes and do things. And I'm, I remember being at my friend Freddie's home. I'd been in his wedding. He was one of my closest friends. And, and, and he and his wife were there, and there were a couple other couples, and he was saying, man, man, you ought to see my foot. And he, I remember him taking off his boot, and he says, I, I don't even remember what happened, but look at this. And it was black and blue, the whole, just terrible black and blue. He says, I don't know, I'm going to have to go to the doctor or something. Only to find out, Freddie had leukemia. Passed away, and with really a disease and the type he had that probably could have been healed today. God, why? Why? I mean, Freddie does everything right. He's a leader in our church. He's the greatest guy I know. Why? Why? Sometimes, even in those situations, we rely on the Lord. You know, the last one, sheep and cattle and the pens and stalls, that's kind of our reserves. Those were, those were what you had for, for when, when, when the crop didn't come through. You still, had, you still had your sheep and your cattle. They're gone too. But yet through this, through all of this, Habakkuk was willing to say and able to say that the fig tree does not bud, there are no grapes on the vine. Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, I will rejoice in the Lord, and I will be joyful in God, my Savior. It's interesting that he would say, my Savior. Do you remember in chapter 1, verses 2 or 3, I think it's verse 3, he said, we cried out violence, and there was no Savior. He said, God, you would not save us. It's the same word, it's just the verb in, in chapter 1, and it's the noun in chapter 3. 
He said, I have a Savior. Same circumstances. And even knowing what was going to happen, he was able to say, I have a Savior. I have a Deliverer. And I will rejoice in him knowing that times are going to be tough. You don't think times are going to be tough? <laughs> Look at verse 16, if you have your Bibles open there. It's the verse just before this. How, what was his reaction to everything he heard? It's this. It's on the screen. It says, I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. The cray crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Have you ever gotten news and the physical reaction is like that? He said, I heard what's going to happen. I heard it's going to take a long time. I heard it's going to be devastating. I heard about this army. I heard what God's going to do. It is, it is beyond what I can imagine. And he says, when I heard it, my heart pounded, my lips quivered, decay crept in my bones. He said, this was the news. He said, God should have told me, sit down first. <laughs> you're going to need to sit down to hear this because your legs are going to give out on you. Compare that, though, to three verses later in chapter, verse 19. Verse 19, he says this. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of the deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. Nothing's changed. Nothing has changed other than the fact that he was able to come to terms and say, no matter what, no figs, no problem. No grapes, no problem. No crop, no problem. No cattle, no problem. I will trust in God because he promised a certain victory. He did not live to see the victory. That victory happened around 536, somewhere around there, B.C., before when the, when the people of Israel or Judah were brought back and allowed to come back home. Babylon was defeated. And God's word was true. And Habakkuk reminds us, reminds us that we can go to God and we can say, God, why aren't you listening? Or why aren't you answering? Or God, I don't like your answer. But in the end, he says, are you willing to trust that I've got your future? And I've got the future under control. Because if you start reading through the scripture, you understand that God has made a lot of promises about our future. In fact, God said not only is this battle going to be won, but there are going to be other battles. And we know that there was a battle about 500 years later when Jesus Christ came. And God says, this is all part of my plan. This is all part of the victory plan. Jesus Christ was going to come into the world. He was going to save us from our sins. He was going to defeat death. He was going to defeat Satan. But it still wasn't the final victory. And that's where we are today, a lot like Habakkuk. We're sitting here saying, Lord, we're waiting for the final victory. We're waiting, and sometimes our fig trees are bare. Sometimes the ground's not producing. We are, we are waiting, but we wait with an assurance that the victory is coming. In fact, if you look in, there's lots of passages, but one of my favorites is out of Revelation chapter 12. Revelation tells us about this victory that is going to be ushered in. And this begins with Revelation 12 verse 10. He says this, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, The salvation, the Savior, the Deliverer, the salvation, and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have now come. There will be a day where the final victory comes, where the kingdom is ushered in, where God ushers in his kingdom through his Christ. 
because of the accuser of the brothers and the sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been thrown down. Then he says this, they conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony for they did not love their lives to the point of death. It's by the blood of Jesus Christ that we offer ourselves, even in death, even in service, our testimonies through the blood of Christ, the final victory is won. It's guaranteed. God says, I'm going to do it, and he's doing it. He has done it, he started it, and he's going to finish it. And in the meantime, we are left to live. We are left to live, and, and we live one way or another. We either are like Habakkuk in our, in our questioning, God, what are you doing? <laughs> and I don't like your answers. Or we are, or we are more like Habakkuk chapter 3. Where we say, Lord, whatever, whatever, I will give you glory. I will serve you. I will rejoice in you because you are my Savior. He is the Savior. It, that day is coming. There will be a day. Final victory is declared. And we together will be in the presence of God. But for now, we're here. And some of us maybe need to make a shift a lot like Habakkuk, from, from questioning God to accusing God to saying, Lord, I'm going to trust you no matter what because you are my Savior. That's the, that's the kind of shift that's a life-changing, dramatic shift. But we've been talking about shifts over the past few weeks as we've talked about this, our, our study over the next eight weeks of these soul shifts. There are other shifts that draw us closer to God. Other shifts that we got to make in our minds and our hearts and our souls that, that move us from questioning God or from living further away from God into a presence with God. I encourage you over the next few weeks, if you're wondering how I can, how I can have these changes in my life, how I can walk boldly into 2018, how I can walk with confidence into 2018, it comes as we become closer to God as our soul shifts into him. We're going to be studying several shifts, and I'm just... For a minute, there's a short video here with some testimonies about these shifts, what they mean, and the difference they can make in our lives. Let's just take a quick look. This is not about becoming a nicer person. It's not just about me disciplining myself to be a, a more other-centered person. It's allowing the Holy Spirit of God to do that in me. This God who allows, who is transcendent and allows us to call him daddy, loves me like that. That realization gave me the freedom to begin living as a child. There was a very real, um, just a moment before we walked out of that hospital that I am either going to believe God is who he says he is or I'm, I'm going to walk away. It's not ours. Any money or possessions or whatever it may be, we are to be a manager of them, not an owner of them. Listen for God's voice, the more he gives it to us. I had
had such a mindset of needing to initiate with God, but God wants me to just sit and receive from Him too. Submitting to a shepherd gives you that resource and, and person to lean on and to, to cry on their shoulder and to, uh, and to turn to for guidance. This is what it's all about, reaching out to others, doing for others. Just changing that way of thinking, not just what can I get from them, but what can I give. I've walked with God most of my life. I look back and I'm like, oh, I was missing out. I didn't really know it. This is what David meant. This is what it means to have your, your soul restored. It allows you to be someone who loves for the sake of and for the purpose of the other person. And I think that's the kind of love that we're, we're asked to have as Christians. Would you stand with me? I'd encourage you as you think about the shift maybe you need to make in your life, maybe we need to start today with a shift of, of understanding God as being out there and not responsive and not listening to a God who cares for you, trusts you, has a plan for you, has, has a desire for a new heart in your life, has, is speaking to you and you need to listen. And you need to accept and trust what he's calling you to or through or with or without. And I encourage you if you haven't, Sign up for a growth group over these next eight weeks as we go through this short, these shifts we make through this program and preach on it and share together and learn how we can draw closer to God. I think it would be good to close uh, reading together this powerful statement of faith in the prophet Habakkuk, chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. His statement of commitment, of surrender, and of trust. Would you read together with me? Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength, he makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. Let's pray. Lord, this morning, um, maybe there's some shifts that we need to make. Maybe, Lord, we need to change our understanding of you. Lord, maybe we need to shift uh, our hearts into a heart of flesh. Maybe, Lord, you just are calling us into a deeper walk with you. Lord, I pray that you would help us to respond in a way that brings honor and glory to you. Lord, help us to respond in a way that trusts you no matter what it is that we face. And Lord, I know, I know there are folks in this service and at this altar today facing very tremendous difficulties in their life, challenges. And let, Lord, we can rejoice that you are our Savior. That you have a plan, Lord, that you are leading and directing. And we don't understand, but, Lord, we trust you. 
Lord, go with us. Strengthen us. Help us to live out this faith as we take our walk into the future, our walk into our homes, our walk into our work, our walk into our schools. Lord, may, may, our, may our demeanor, our presence, our actions reflect you, reflect the heart of compassion and love and mercy and grace. May, Lord, our words glorify you. And may this week, Lord, may, may we together serve you and draw others to you. Because we just heard, I, I think that's the way the Bible says it should be. Lord, help us. And we'll give you praise and you the honor. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Go today. We'll see you back here at 6 o'clock tonight, 7 o'clock Wednesday. Come and enjoy. Go and serve. You're dismissed. <laughs>